Hello, and welcome to the 19th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Who, uh, I'm Patrick. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Welcome to The Academy, everyone. Well, week two yep. of James... The James Cameron celebration, the James Cameron discussion, the palate cleanser, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's a, you know, you could call it the, uh, the JC, WW, what would uh, JC do? Um, you know? What would JC do? Yeah. What would, what would uh, Cameron do? James Cameron, shrimps. James, yeah. James Shrimp, he loves the ocean. There we go. So, a couple of bits of housekeeping, though, before we, um, we dive into this week's episodes and discussion because i know no pun intended. we're, we're, we're kind of heading into you know some he- some heavy hitters yeah. would you know i mean not, not that he t- outside of perhaps the uh the now beloved piranha to the spawning um all of his movies are kind of heavy hitters yeah, <laughs> but they're all big boys Everything, yeah yeah uh but we want to uh and so we know we got to get to that but uh first off we want to welcome we had, we were, Patrick and I, you, you guys, you, everyone who listens knows we're into stats. We're science guys. I mean, yeah. we like to keep things very factual. So we're pretty big fans of looking at the podcast listenership and numbers. And this week we noticed downloads from two new places across this great globe of ours that have never listened to the Academy Academy. We had a download from Norway. Wow. Wow. I mean, thank you so much. We want to hear from you. What led you to the show? I mean, I got a, I have a lot of questions. I don't know about you, Pat. Oh, man, I have so many questions. Like, you know, what are your opinions on Morton Tiedlem, the guy, the guy who directed <laughs> the imitation game? Uh, I want to know. Oh, and, know. And, the, and the bizarre passengers. Passengers. <laughs> oh, man. If you want us to do like a Morton I'm pronouncing it incorrect. I'm probably offending this poor Norwegian fellow. Yeah, this is extremely successful (laughs) Norwegian director. Yeah, he's probably, hey, maybe it's Morton. Hey, if it's Morton Teagle listening, hey, come on the podcast. We love you. Headhunters is a good movie. Yeah, I I, I have a feeling you probably have thoughts on uh, James Cameron. Maybe we could slot you into the uh, Titanic Avatar episode. There's still time. There's still time. (laughs) Get on. Get on, Morton. Uh, But welcome. To our Norwegian listeners, I yeah, I'd be curious to know if it was uh, the general concept of the show. Are you a street fanatic? That would be my guess. Uh, specific movie, perhaps you saw that we reviewed. It's complicated, and you needed major league. Uh, it's complicated uh, content, which yeah. you know we provided. But uh, welcome. You, you know what? Uh, you could uh, yeah, like uh, reach out to us at, through Twitter at the Acadacad or. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe this is the first time I think we've said like you know email us. At- oh, we we have an email address. It's true, which, which I've I've never checked. Yeah, we we could. <laughs> well, what if we that that's how everyone has been communicating with us, and there's been like there's a there's email there's multiple emails from Don Gummer telling us to shut up. 
Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop ruining our family's good name. Yeah. We got like a cease and desist <laughs> from the entire Gummer family. <laughs> stop making fun of my statues. They're great. Yeah. Don't be so old to contact us on Twitter, man. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you not choose Ricky and the Flash as the best movie? I know. Yeah. Justice yeah. for Ricky. I'm now on. I'm now on Justice for Ricky, even though oh. even though Lawrence Buster Jenkins uh, won. Yeah. They could have tied. Hey, 16 winners. 16 <laughs> all 16. Winners. I'm hey, getting all, all, all the way around. Winners. 16 winners. Everyone, um, you know, no matter who, no matter who loses, we win. We won. Yeah. Uh, but um, what, what's that email again, Patrick, in case people want to uh, give us a contact us? Uh, it's the Academy Academy at Gmail. Oh, wait, you know what? Uh, I think it's the Academy Academy podcast at gmail.com. I'll that sounds double check yeah i'll double check that later and what i'll what i'll do is i will if uh if that's not correct i will edit out what i said there and i'll put in the correct you know people are content uh checking us out for really really strong in-depth conversations about film they do not expect us to know our own email address no, they do, not, they do not expect us. We're not, we're science, we're, we're single-minded. We have a focus. It's not on, you know, stuff that we should know. Uh, it's on stuff that we need to know. Yeah, the, the important facts. <laughs> yes. and, okay, and then also we want to we wanna give a big shout out to our new listeners in Australia as well. Our first downloads from Australia. We kind of have a feeling it's due to our coverage of cry in the dark from a few weeks ago uh down under but you know obviously you could have been just diehard river wild fans but uh but just but it's our like uh a guess that it's because of cry in the dark or evil angels uh you know let us know if you think we did a terrible job of covering it uh we tried to be respectful but yeah you know, sometimes things don't go your way. <laughs> and here's my thing. Australia, Tim Tams are so good. You guys have the best snack cookies. Oh, you, you it's a dream to visit your country. We yeah. want to, you know, but. Send us some, t- okay. So our email is the Academy Academy podcast at gmail.com. Just a hundred percent double checked it. That is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, email us, uh, you know, am, uh, I guess you can't email us Tim Tams. So don't do that. But you know, just send us an email. Say hello. Yeah, say hello. We want to know if you uh, if you liked our coverage. If you hated our coverage of Cry of the Dark, maybe we'll do. You know, if you truly hated it, maybe we'll go back, watch it again, and put out a bonus episode of apologies and regrets. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We will display fealty. Uh, yeah, we, we don't we don't want to hurt anybody, but also uh, well, as as everyone knows, the most powerful emotion that Patrick and I share is shame. Oh, so. <laughs> at, at all encompassing yeah. at all times, <laughs> constantly. <Yeah>. So <laughs> we're not going to be those kind of blowhards who are going to come back. No, you're wrong as an Australian about cry in the dark. <laughs> we're never going to do that. <laughs> no, I am a willow. I will bend, sir. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we may be scientists, but we're easily swayed by the power of embarrassment and shame. Yes. So. <laughs> oh, man. And you know what? Yes, it's that is just I, nothing else to add. That's just yes. But welcome to all of our uh, new listeners. We hope 
our old listeners who are sticking around and enjoying this new Cameron series and getting ready for our next series on actors. And uh, welcome to our new friends as well. Um, we got one more follow, a couple more uh, things about last week's episode, though. Um, the much talked about Piranha 2, the spawning. Yeah, we spent so much time talking about that. Uh, kind of crazy. Quite a bit of time. And <laughs> so much so that. We've got a couple of uh, little footnotes to include Some more Piranha 2. And mine's a quick one. Patrick has a fun story. Mine is an interesting one, too. Uh, I was digging deeper on the fascinating producer, perhaps shadow director of Piranha 2, The Spawning, a video, Asenatus. And I was looking at their filmography, and I realized that I owned a copy on blue on this wonderful deluxe Arrow Blu-ray edition of Madhouse, and we had shown it at one of our um, Halloween movie marathons Ooh. one year, even. And I just never put it together that I now have two of his films in my collection. He might get a, a director's section in my Blu-ray shelf at some point. Who knows uh. if that will happen? I love that you have a, would you ever turn your, uh, so there's a place called the, uh, and we've referenced it on the show. There's the, the, the Pasadena video tech. We might be referencing it again shortly too. Ooh. <laughs> oh doggy. Uh, oh doggy. Oh doggy. But, but yeah, uh, the great video store. Oh, it's so great. But would you ever, would you ever turn your collection into a video store? It sounds like you could turn your collection into a video store. Well, I have it. Um, I do actually have full scale director sections in my on my shelves already uh i have most of the movies are divided up by genre or uh label like madhouse currently is in my arrow blu-ray section um and then i have an entire shelf direct um outside of all that completely dedicated to criterion titles so yeah i mean it could be i just don't trust people Boy, yeah. I I don't trust people to return the dang discs. Oh, they wouldn't. They would. Yeah. They they're too good. They would they would covet them like gold. I mean, I I'm gonna be perfectly honest here. They got it back. I want to put that on the table. The last disc I lent out, I lent a copy of my Criterion Blu-ray, The Big Chill, Ooh. to previous guest Karina Wolf, Ooh. who promptly watched it and returned it so wow. perhaps i should have more trust in lending out discs based on that what a twist yes thought, it did not a sad gonna, story not a sad story publicly shame her <laughs> no like how dare you well <laughs> i i have a friend who i will not name oh who i let borrow my dvd copy of wong car wise us debut oh. my blueberry nights and guess what guess who hasn't had a blueberry night since this guy because <laughs> i because it's gone <laughs> that, is, that is okay two things what a weird wong car Wai film to borrow of all yeah, of his films i think i was claiming it was underrated <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to rewatch it. Maybe yeah, it I, I wouldn't know. It's been about a decade. Damn. <laughs> so. Ooh, wow, it's that's too long. Oh, yeah, it, it's it, it's um, I'm still friends with this person, but it's not coming back. There's a better chance that it was in his last garage sale. Oh, <laughs> just you're spilling the damn tea about this. Yeah, I, know. I love it. I'm here. Great, for it. great, great, great guy. I'm like, I, it's, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not hurting too bad. 
Uh, oh, but, I know, I know. We're we're just we're just pulling legs. We're but I also remember every detail about the exchange, so perhaps I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good for me. I like that's actually. I, like uh, that. uh, I I had that same like I dude. I remember uh, from fourth grade when I, I I sent out my I let my uh, uh, my friend who shall not be named. I lent him my copy of Tales from Jabba's Palace. And the damn dude still hasn't still harbor a minor minor uh. passive aggressive grudge to this day. I wanna I, I can I can never again can I read about the tales of Salacious Crumb <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 Gorlug the Gamorian guard. Uh, uh, probably a I, good ha- I, ha- I have had like get togethers though and like you know like even some of the, like our horror movie film festivals though and somebody who like is a friend of jen's or something will be looking at the shelf like oh i want to see that you think i could borrow that and i've kind of done it i don't know i don't think so (laughs) like i don't who are you yeah exactly you don't know them and also like it's it's i don't know it's like for me it's like especially like a criterion blu-ray that's expensive i know it's like uh, it's a 40 dollar replacement oh and speaking of which i mean we'll get we'll get to pat we get we'll, we'll get to patrick's uh follow-up story on piranha 2 in just a moment but i have to share this because controversial criterion blu-ray issue at the house this past week i woke up in the morning i was just walking past the shelf Mm. and in the middle of the night one of the cats either rufford or ashby decided to start gnawing the hell (laughs) out of my copy of roma (laughs) not Roma. <laughs> and it's a mess now it's, it's it's one of those ones that comes in the paper box it's a total mess uh-huh. and i've just shattered it i screamed i i believe i let out a son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> this is the ultimate betrayal the oh yeah uh, you know and, you love and, the most i know well i know it's yeah like something i really cherish and they'd already gotten to when they were real much younger couple bites out of my copy of the carlos mini series disc but but the but they they really went at it on the roma disc like like to the to the point of me saying out loud should i spend 40 dollars to replace this and jen saying to me get over it it's on netflix you idiot But it's different. <laughs> this has a commentary. It's a beautiful edition, a gorgeous cover. Uh, but I, I forgive the cats, but it did that did happen this uh, past man. week. So let's get to your uh your very fascinating tale about this international man of mystery, Ovidio Asanayas. And if oh, yeah. a video, if you are made perhaps based on Patrick's story to come here, you are a globetrotter. Perhaps it was you in Norway. For all we know. Um, and if it's in particular you, give us a shout out. We'd love to have you on the show. Oh, hell yeah. We would love to have you. Although, like, there is a part of me that I imagine, there is a part of me that's like, maybe a video is, like, uh, doing, like, his own version. Of our show. Of our yes. I might cut this out. This might be a joke for me and me, but yeah, I think he's doing his own version of Apocalypse Now somewhere. Uh, I, think I think he's like a Marlon Brando. Somewhere. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, he's living it. He's not reshooting. He's not doing a, 
a shitty remake of oh, it. He's, he's, he's living he's, it. He's in the jungle somewhere. Like he's like in deep, the deep, yeah. deep in the jungles of Thailand or the Philippines. It seems to me there are only two options in his life right now, and that's one of them. The other is he's like currently doing a really bad not dubbed knockoff of like La La Land or something like oh, that. God. He's, doing, he's like whatever like the international version of uh of what's that company that makes transmorphers and asylum. He's oh like, yeah. Yeah he's doing like yeah he's doing Lulu Land and it's like being filmed in like Bulgaria. And yeah it's, and it stars uh Kel Mitchell and uh Thomas uh Thomas Jane oh yeah thomas jane's definitely he's oh, yeah. ki- he's a king we're not no diss to tom oh, jane dude, i'll tell you what but... I've, been, I've been uh i've been binging the expanse with my fam Ooh, hot damn i love the yeah. Expanse. he's good as hell in that but i just wanted to say about a, a video. he rocks oh he rocks he slaps oh yeah let's hear this story a video asinitis really quickly uh i forgot to say this because this this tidbit the scoop is too uh too good to, to let it's off the table. juicy it's, it's juicy, juicy. So he's like, so he's like Greek and Italian, but he was also for the first, uh, you know, eight or uh, eight. No, I think the first 14 years of his life, he lived in Egypt. He was uh, he's an Egyptian, Italian, uh, Greek individual. And um, when he was like seven or eight, uh, he watched uh, the first movie. He watched like a movie in a Chinese. uh, He watched a Chinese uh, horror movie. and He doesn't recall the title or anything like that, but he. uh, he, 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 it kind of was like the thing that like inspired him to become a, a filmmaker. Like he watched this movie and he kind of had like this like epiphany where he was like, oh, I'm going to become a, a, a horror filmmaker. This is my life. And Much like so, James Cameron with 2001. Yeah, this was his James Cameron moment. This was, this was little, <laughs> of the, or rather, this uh, James Cameron, Cameron had an Avidio moment. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah, let's put it that James Cameron had it because this one came a little earlier. Sorry, James. You're... <laughs> sorry, J- sorry, buddy. Sorry, Mr. Cameron. You're having an Avidio moment. Okay? You didn't innovate everything. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but uh, uh, he, the following night after he watched the movie, someone was like a like an egyptian person was like murdered and actually i just looked at the article it was it wasn't just a murder it was an assassination oh wow someone was assassinated and his family was talking about it before it was a particularly gory assassination and so he wanted to like scare his family and he wanted to test his ability of like scaring people he wanted to see how he could like he wanted to test his abilities as a horror filmmaker as a lad so what he <laughs> did was he went into the kitchen and uh, then down to the basement, and he, then he filled a tray with flour, and then he uh, filled he filled a pan with alcohol. I'm just gonna read this quote. So this is a quote from a video. Uh, a video. Uh, I went into the kitchen, and then down to the basement, and filled a tray with flour. Then I filled a pan with alcohol. I snuck upstairs with all of it and put flour all over my face. I lit the pan filled with alcohol covered myself with a white sheet and switched off the lights to the entire building. Slowly, I descended down the staircase and walked in the direction of my family sitting in the living room. I looked like a ghost. When they saw me, they they screamed in an absolute fright. And this was my (laughs) first introduction to the world of entertainment. (laughs) And that's the end of the quote. Wow. Insane. Uh, He lit a trace up with alcohol. He's nothing if not committed. We saw it in Piranha 2. We saw it in this story. He has an aesthetic. He has, he has yeah, a he, A true wild man. I'm glad that he's part of the Academy Academy universe and 
yeah come on I, come on the show we will I, we, we we'll devote an entire episode just to hanging with you buddy i want to meet this man and talk yeah he seems yeah like, yeah very uh cool cool uncle energy also probably <laughs> is like in like a village in the deep philippines and, you know wearing his shorts and we should we should probably say it um <laughs> I, don't, I don't even not necessarily an insult pretty creepy <laughs> oh he's an evil man he's, yeah. he's probably evil he's 100 percent. i mean come on the show we you know we could talk it out if you want to yeah he is like bad okay good yeah I feel like, yeah. I feel like, yeah we can't say he's like living in the apocalypse now like he is like he we get is... the impression that he there could be some corners cut some uh oh oh totally uh some well there's like yeah there's some more than a more than a handful of lecherous moments um oh yeah, yeah you know yeah. All, all that's Evil. out there he's the devil he's probably I mean, he's, the devil he he lived the life of that 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 producer model that you know he not not dino de Laurentiis, but um the like sea level version of it oh, yeah. and uh yeah but you know we'll keep looking for fun it, it, at the very least provocative stories um yeah, he's like oh a true a true scumbag very he's interesting he's like yeah a, he's it, like an he, interesting scumbag. he's a character he's, he's a yeah, character and he's bad but like we you know oh, hey bad. still come on the show <laughs> come on I, he, I think he, yeah. the funny thing is he would still come on the show even after us like, admitting See, he's objectively bad that all of that seems like it adds up to me too, but yeah. we'll see, we'll see, folks. If you're knocking down our door, say we. Well, yeah, don't worry. We're not now that you've now that you've spent an, like an hour of your life talking about him, um, I, like if you want to hear more, eh, we can do it. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll 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 take the yeah. Academy Academy plunge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll move on. We're moving on. But um, so as usual, we're gonna start off. This James Cameron series is brought up kind of like. And I think that might be the point of James Cameron. The further in on the films we get, I think we'll get further into this conversation of kind of like the big picture of both kind of the world and kind of movies to me. Like, in, like t- it, there, a lot has come up mm-hmm. in my mind. And so I'm going to start off the conversation as we get and in, move into Aliens here. Uh, as a, a total left field aside, which is an Academy Academy trope as well. Um, this morning, before we taped our show, I watched the film Breaking the Waves, Ooh, the La- wow. the Lars the Lars von Trier film. <laughs> and uh, you know, for those of you who have not seen Breaking the Waves, I really I hadn't seen it since I was in college, and I was absolutely like blown away by it. It's it's a re- I mean it's it's Lars, so it's um pretty heavy duty stuff and you know it came up actually as well give a shout out uh our hero joe dante his podcast two weeks ago uh he and josh olson hosted the director of sound of metal and they talked for about an hour just about breaking the waves which kind of inspired me to want to go back and watch it it's an excellent episode highly recommend it but um i was thinking about breaking the waves kind of Lars von trier's like endless kind of torturous like maximalism that he puts his characters through and his is kind of in this kind of for to serve purposes of some would say just a sadomasochism but some would say like kind of a search for kind of like the the terror of human existence and kind of the search for god and the lonely the existentialism at the highest darkest order and then i was doing some research this morning on aliens 
and I read Roger Ebert's review of Aliens, and he called the la- the film's last hour painfully, unremittingly intense in horror and action, leaving him emotionally drained and unhappy. Ebert believed it could not be defined as entertainment despite his admiration of the filmmaking craft on display. And I would be willing to argue you could put those exact words to a review of Lars von Trier's Breaking the Waves. <laughs> Which leads me to, like, what is mo- what are movies? What are we looking for here? Are, are, is ever, like, are blockbusters and art house films all that different? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's really funny that you literally could, like, read that as either of those films, like a review of either of those films. I mean... And they end, I was in tears at the end of both of them, which is like, <laughs> a, like, like and they, and they are, tr- and they, you know, so it's, it just fascinates me what is possible. And I think the thing is, James Cameron is a unique uh, situation, I think, in terms of blockbuster directors, because he has this like uh, relatively uh, unique level of autonomy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never going to have a James Cameron, uh, you know, Spider-Man movie or whatever. Well, oh, actually, we could, we'll get to that in a uh, little bit. And I will say, yeah, that's going to be a nice little, that's, it's, it's interesting. but like A I bit think, of a what if. Oh, God. What, the path that would have taken. Everyone's, all, your life, my life, the world's life would have been different, probably. I would have had the Spider-Man logo tattooed on my face, that that, that like red, that iconic red mm-hmm. mask. I would just have Spider-Man face. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying is that he, um, you know, and even Aliens is a, uh, Aliens or the upcoming Terminator 2, these are f- technically franchise movies before the idea of kind of, franchises was um you know molded to what we know today this was before like people readily said the terms content and ip (laughs) you know it was it was simply a sequel then Uh, but um you're right though he works within these with his own at level of autonomy and he's able to kind of delve into his pet themes and kind Mm -hmm. of interests and obsessions yeah within them Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah he's definitely an example of like yeah a director who he can he is both a like his films are almost like billion dollar out or not billion but like hundred million dollar art house films in a weird way because of because of that mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's interesting because like you know von trier his idea is kind of to send the message it's like a pile on miserableism yeah whereas you know as we get further into camera and his are kind of a pile on of stakes set pieces mm-hmm. uh, kind of a can you top this ism that like i was curious and i know this is going to sound crazy to say like it almost feels like there's an insecurity mm. there which i don't you know you, ha- you never want to call him insecure right. but it's like this feeling of like, am I getting my point across? Is this working? Let's just add more and more and more moments to really put it over the top. And I think we'll talk about that going 
in particular when we get to true lies and titanic and onward uh he's really doing that but the seeds of that are in our two movies today in aliens and the abyss this idea of like no the movie can't like the kind of the glory of the original terminator is it's being under two hours and being like a sleek yeah this happens this happens this happens all leading to this machine it certainly does not have like this idea of like okay so the boat is sinking and that isn't enough we also need to have billy zane chasing them around with a gun like in a like action sequence within an action sequence within an action sequence within an action sequence or like true lies i won't spoil it for you patrick but the last half hour of true lies is pretty spectacular in terms of just how far things go well, what's, I think what's fascinating about Cameron is I think, like, he finds the art, like, I think, you know, you're saying Lars True and True, he's, like, looking for, like, uh, he has his own specific themes he deals with and where he, like, finds the art in his work. And I think for, like, James Cameron, like, the art for him or, like, the, 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 the where, like, the, the element... It's like the way that, like, you know, uh, Terrence Malick tries to find God through, like, Emmanuel Lubezki's, like, I'm saying mm-hmm. the name totally wrong, I bet. I uh, think that's pretty close. Oh, I, think you're, I think, yeah, I don't yeah. think you're, I don't, yeah, I think you're doing okay. Yeah, but he's trying, well, in the way he's trying to find Emmanuel, Lube- you know, art God through, like, Emmanuel Lubezki's, mm-hmm. like, sublime cinematography. I think, like, the thing, like, I think Cameron, like, for him, like, the passion for him is, like, creating these, like, intricate mousetraps and, like, it's like the doing like the carpenter aspect, the doing of the project is like the art of his films to mm-hmm. me almost. Like, And I think interestingly enough too, is that Pat Cameron's like pet themes, these ideas of like being very interested in technology, but being wary of technology in the wrong hands of yeah. these of corporate stooges kind of Ooh. being at the heart of what's wrong with things about the environment being very important about, mothers and wives being super strong and like can save the world these and about the kind of frankly despite his like we joked his five marriages the intense importance of romantic bond Man, uh, i feel like all, maybe all his movies are just like about his like relationship with like the film companies he works with yeah I, yeah he <laughs> hates them he does not respect them no, and he hates them he but hates the funny them. thing is is that all of the stuff that strikes him that we just mentioned oddly enough i think universally are things people can like agree on oh yeah and believe themselves and that might be a big reason why his movies are so successful is that you you agree like we joke about his perfect politics but you agree with who he's presenting as good guys who he's presenting as bad guys what morale what morals are important and worth preserving what things you should be interested in you know how to behave with a group of people and and his films have like such a clear cut like his like per- yeah and it's part of his, it's partly because of his perfect politics but like his <laughs> films have like such a clear-cut morality Mm -hmm. in a way that is just like infinitely more universal than any movie like a coen brother would ever make or like and that that's not a diss on a coen brother you know no i think that like the reason like the coen brothers like i would you know 
just despite earlier this uh, on the French Lieutenant's Woman uh, Iron Lady episode forgetting the title of a serious man. Um, I would consider myself a pretty devoted fan, but I think also their kind of worldview is is very is a little more distinct, but it's also one that I thought kind of agree with. Well, I think like there's they're kind of darker, kind of the bitter irony of it all that they um, put out there and like the every man for himself and God against all vibe of the entire thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I sadly my cynical side. uh, Believe and then having some goodness in the world on top of that, but being very confused about the darkness in the world. I I, I believe that a little bit more than Cameron's all encompassing thing, but I know that that's a smaller group too that believes that. Well, I think here's the thing that why Cameron is so successful is like all these great directors have like a specificity Mm -hmm. and that's what makes their, like that specificity makes their like work entertaining. But James Cameron, you know, he's been blessed with specificity (laughs) that's universal. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Like the things he's like really passionate about are things that speak to all of us. And that's why his movies continuously uh, are more and more successful <laughs> yeah because like yeah like uh because I, like i said i love i love the coen brothers for i'm pretty sure most of those reasons as well yeah but uh but but then like you'll have people that like you know it's like i uh i've had i i, I know that uh i don't think that they're listening my mother is not going to fall in line with the coen brothers Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like uh it's like uh, But she loved Titanic. Exactly, exactly. Every and everyone does. Although it's funny, my mom doesn't my mom hates Titanic. We'll get we'll get to another Titanic episode. But do you I mean we could pose this question for the listeners to think about over the next two weeks. Is not liking Titanic more of like uh just a statement to get attention Mm. than it is like an actual like yeah, I mean, here's here's my take. I've evolved my opinion as a book. I used to be one of those people that's like they could yeah. sh- they could have shared the damn uh, the door the door. <laughs> they could have shared the damn door, but like I've been thinking about this. Like maybe they couldn't have shared the and they make it clear like they can't. I don't the, know. He tries. To, okay, we'll get there. We we'll want to talk. We'll we real. We clearly really want to talk about Titanic badly, yeah, we'll but we'll maybe, get maybe there. Maybe my opinion. Maybe my opinion will change. Yeah. Like, I, I still haven't. I still like that. Might be. Maybe I'll do a double feature tonight. Maybe I'll do a Titanic <laughs> True Life. What an insane double feature. Ah, uh, well, he followed those two moves. That was the exact. <laughs> that was the. That is the chronological order. Uh, um, oh, but oh, think of like chew on that question. Is it just trying to be contrarian? for contrarian's sake to not like Titanic. But let's get to it. 1986, the film is Aliens. Um, Budget of 18.5 million. And this is going to be a key thing to remember as we get into the production on Aliens. On time, on budget. So when we get to the drama, remember that. The movie made a 131. It was a. It, I'm seeing like varying numbers here, but uh, somewhere between 131 million to 183, 183 million. Regardless, it was the seventh biggest moneymaker the year it came out. An interesting fun fact: its second week of release, it was number one at the box office again. It was number one 
its first week, dethroning Karate Kid Part 2. Second week, guess what got number two at the box office behind Aliens? That would be Heartburn with Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson, directed by Mike Nichols. Can you believe that these existed in the same timeline? In... <laughs> not at all no not <laughs> no. they're different it's weird yeah they're so different they seem like they're from different dimensions <laughs> I mean, they like... seem like from different decades it's like yeah. yeah um but it was a massive i mean it was a massive success it you know it put cameron further on the map as just a guy who i mean this was his third movie wow i like you know we hope you've all rewatched aliens <laughs> i i would i would uh, sum it up then i'll get to its academy nominations because these are interesting as well aliens fucking rocks a perfect and, it, and i think it's like interesting to me because to me it's almost like this pure like it takes um it has like that aesthetic. I feel like it, ha- it shares a lot. It almost shares more aesthetic uh, similarities to Terminator than mm-hmm. it does to the original Alien. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, absolutely. And I lo- and I just love the like the, the grimy like the, 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 the like there's like this grimy lived in and very. Uh, it's like yeah, it's like a combination of of grimy and. Um, just like uh, overly uh, artificial, or not artificial, but like the, the mechanics, like it's so like, there's so much heavy machinery in this mm-hmm. uh, that the previous alien, you know, that aspect of it was kind of like never really, uh, cause all you have is like the main spaceship and alien. And mm-hmm. then you have the weird HR Geiger inspired, you know, uh, alien ship with like the, the pilot and uh that just yeah it's just i, don't I know. think um you know a huge thing about this is cameron growing up in the era of the the war in vietnam mm-hmm. and i think that deciding to make this a war movie because you have to remember too he was concurrently writing rambo 2 yes. about a, a another action film about a veteran of the vietnam war and I think that the decision to make this a war movie to focus on a military, basically a military operation mm-hmm. is, uh, is pretty, is, is a thrilling turn away from Ridley Scott. And I think also because Cameron's such a fan of the original alien that he really was actively trying to do something that was kind of a left turn from the original alien. And I would deem the original alien, a horror movie. And I would call this an action movie. Yeah. And I actually, I watched the uh, original alien recently just to kind of oh. like re- reacquaint myself with it. And uh, it is crazy. Like the, it could you're a hundred percent right. It could never be. These movies could never be. They're so different in tone and vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think it's just an ins- it's so much quieter and the pace is so much slower too mm-hmm. in alien although like cameron's pacing is so wild i feel like so many of his movies have these like 45 minute startups where like he's just establishing everything i think it's so he can go an hour and a half absolutely non-stop 
to follow up that 45 minutes because yeah. like we're on board like I we you know we'll get to the cast in a yes. moment here because the way he establishes the entire team mm-hmm. that that gets in this operation beyond Ripley is pretty astonishing and you really like like all of them they have great everyone is given like a cool moment mm-hmm. they're all like even when like some of the lesser members are getting killed off. You're like, oh, that, oh, them. I remember them from doing this thing. Yeah, you kind of feel like there, it, there is like an emotional connection. Well, I think he's to like all a, of them. Yeah, he's a world builder. He is yeah. like a hundred, and it's like you know, and I guess Avatar is the best example of it. But like, he's so good at like, I think he just truly does have a passion for like. He's a very if this then then what and like mm-hmm. if why why is this the way it is how can this work like he's very much a guy who wants to like uh, establish uh, like a reality and make sure everything adheres to that reality. Absolutely. And maybe, yeah, and maybe that's like you know that explains like his more controlling uh, the more controlling aspects of his character on set. He has a complete vision which is a both an amazing thing, but can also, and we'll talk about it a lot today, yeah. uh, can cause a lot of issues. Um, so basically, you know, to get it up to speed, uh, what was going on? He had written this term, the Terminator script, but Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger was contractually obligated to do the second Conan movie, Conan the Destroyer, before he was available for uh to shoot terminator so cameron had about a nine month wait to get arnold correct move as we all know changed changed cinema by waiting around to get arnold for the role but in the meantime they had the terminator script had kind of gone out around hollywood and people been like oh this is interesting this is a pretty interesting story which got him Kind of all those great Hollywood general meetings uh, got him the job writing Rambo 2 and it got him in the room with the producers, uh, the David Geiler and the great Walter Hill uh, for uh, a possible sequel to Aliens. There was apparently a group wide wariness about making a sequel to Alien. They knew they had kind of captured lightning in a bottle at this point in time. Sequels were not the um, kind of. It wasn't like the cinema. It, it wasn't the goal as yeah. they are today. Um, and so there was a lot of questions, especially too, because it wasn't going to be cheap to make one. Um, and there was kind of some people at Fox. Sigourney Weaver was um, not too amped up on being a part of another alien. She, you know, and you have to remember too, Sigourney Weaver and was a contemporary at the Yale School of Drama with Meryl Streep. So she came from the same like like very traditional very strong acting background as Meryl Streep who as much as we can dream probably wouldn't get near an alien sequel with a 10 foot pole. So there's just a lot of wariness around but Cameron had this idea basically Cameron's first concept was this idea of um, a war movie in space mm-hmm. was kind of the and sending and like troops in space like a elite 
operation. Yeah. Well, he, I think he's like a big Heinlein guy, right? He is, yeah. And he's also kind of, um, he's one of those guys, he's done enough like action stuff. He's pretty into troops and guns. Yeah, in his like, <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a very liberal way, but he's he is quite into these things just outside of this, you know. He he loves gear, he loves gear and all that yeah, kind of a, stuff. You know, boys have their toys. He's one of those. Yeah, guys. he's yeah. one of the, he is one of those guys. <laughs> you know, and you know, fa- funny enough, like Sigourney Weaver did not want to touch a gun at all, and Cameron was like, "No, sorry, you're gonna have to." shoot some aliens in this movie and he apparently had got finally got her a gun at the gun range and she was uh terrific at it and what and what did he say something like another lib down the tube or something like that <laughs> this, is like the sec- this is like the second person this is the second female lead he's turned into a cold-blooded killer yeah because yeah because <laughs> he basically went through the same process with linda hamilton and terminator and as we'll learn he did it even more so in terminator 2 judgment day creating oh, yeah. a to- a true warrior like linda, um, linda hamilton could kill either of us easily yes yes <laughs> and like in kind of like the uh very stealth just break your neck with her hands kind of way does not need a weapon like i think yeah i think she yeah we'll, we'll talk about it with her yeah I, I, uh, it's interesting because like uh on the subject of like these type of like this sort of casting i i just read about janetta goldstein mm-hmm. And how she was cast, and she was like an unemployed actress in London at the time, and uh, she went into the uh, the casting for Aliens, uh, thinking that the script was about like illegal aliens, like undocumented <laughs> citizens. I'm not even uh, classic <laughs> actor move. No, it's about blowing up. It's about blowing up face huggers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not about. <laughs> and uh, she came in like you know dressed in like a like a skirt and like high heels, like kind of like you know like a fancy like a fancy actor about town would do when entering an audition. And uh, James Cameron was like, oh, we're actually like looking for like a uh, you know someone who's like. We're, it's about alien, like aliens, like the the concept, not aliens, like the the illegal citizens or whatever. And uh, Jeanette, uh, she like actually like what she did was she like did like the muscle bicep, like she did that and showed up because she had been uh, she'd been unemployed for two years. And all she was doing, I read this that all she was yeah. doing was working out. All she was basically, doing was working out. Yeah. and basically James Cameron saw that and was like, "You're hired." Yeah, you look cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he fought for her too yeah. again because exec, execs wanted like a uh, they wanted like a more like a more seasoned actor in the role. Mm-hmm. And as we'll um, learn, like this is this movie Terminator starts it, but this movie kind of crystallizes the Cameron players that he who are despite all of his madness are um were deathly loyal yeah to him uh so basically he wrote a treatment that first was about 40 pages then when he got really into detail was about 90 pages and he presented it to the people first the producers and then the people fox and they're like oh this is actually pretty darn this is a slamming idea man you got it you have you have it all pretty mapped out uh so then and he and he had already was telling them that i don't i don't believe that he had actually even finished shooting terminator yet when he was telling them and i want to direct this movie which of course they're like huh you know who are you you piranha 2 the spawning (laughs) (laughs) um 
<laughs> but then Terminator came out, was number one at the box office two weeks in a row, and was the surprise smash mm-hmm. that they were willing to take a much harder look at him. And then he, um, he, a couple of fun stories, he presented them with the title Aliens, and they were like, they did not understand where he was coming from with it, even though you think about it today, you're like, oh, that's freaking brilliant. Oh, it's so good. Um, he grabbed like a whiteboard and had the, had the name Aliens written on it, and he turned the S into a money sign. Uh, <laughs> and, and everyone and ever and everyone in the room was like, "Okay, we we understand you a little bit more here." Uh, but one person, like, so it started to come together. But one person who did not totally understand it still was the was Sigourney Weaver, and he had kind of designed this entire thing about obviously you know the story is like in alien ripley becomes the lead she's i mean in, in essence she's almost the final girl mm-hmm. in alien in aliens she is rambo so she is the lead and she is the action hero of the entire oh yeah of the entire oh. process so he knew he knew it's like this lives and dies on her involvement so I guess um, they they pulled a little switcheroo, a sneaky a sneaky move on her. So she had the same agent in the same building as Arnold Schwarzenegger did, and Cameron had a meeting with Arnold's agent and said something to the extent we're going to go in a different direction. We don't want her at all anymore, and you know we're going to offer this money, but you know what? you know she's just too much trouble or he just kind of basically like planted the seeds that this information would almost certainly be filtered to Sigourney Weaver's agent who was like across the hall that would kind of kick Sigourney Weaver in gear to like take the part oh, man. like that and that's basically what happened that's very <laughs> like he's a very Machiavellian guy he like he really he gets uh, it's evil in some ways, yeah. But he gets it within the system that we all live in, and until we can move on to our socialistic utopian communities, yeah, uh, in which power and money are not things of value, he's very good at working this system. <laughs> he understands it completely. He gets his art. He gets his paintbrushes. Like yeah, <laughs> and, and that is the thing is like he completely gets the business end of it, in addition to the art artistic end of it, in addition to the kind of technological end of it. Now perhaps he took a little bit more time was the human factor <laughs> as we move into production. Yeah. Um, so he had to fill out his team of Marines to go along with. Uh, Sigourney Weaver playing Ripley and he did it with just kings and queens oh, man. all around uh, we'll just jump in here with uh, kind of the male lead of the film I would do, say is Hicks Dwayne Hicks uh, who the relu- kind of the reluctant becomes the reluctant leader of the Marines now this part originally went to Walter Hill regular James Rebar, who is awesome, who rules. We love him. Yeah. You know, you know him from the Warriors. You know him from the Long Riders. You know him from 48 Hours. Yeah. He's, and later on, he became a uh, Quentin Tarantino 
favorite. He's in Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in kind of smaller roles. And he was Dexter's dad, if you want a more contemporary <laughs> reference. Not, uh, not, on not, the, not Dexter's laboratory. No, Dexter the serial killer who you love. Yeah, <laughs> you Gotta love that. Thing. Yeah, it's like he's a serial killer with a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. What is he? The psychology of that show and what they're trying to convince you to be into is weird. Okay. (laughs) Beside the point. Um, So they brought in James Remar, uh, who they ended up starting to shoot with. uh, And then he was let go a couple weeks into the shoot. Uh, He, at, they said, creative differences. In his later life, he revealed he got arrested for cocaine possession. And that was that. that. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, you know, it was the 80s. He ended up on his feet. It's all good. Yeah, everything did be fine. So um, in kind of a pickle, Cameron turned to a real trusted guy, Kyle Reese himself, Michael Bean, who... You can't imagine anyone else in the role. He's perfect yeah. in it. He rules. He's great. He's got great chemistry with Sigourney Weaver in mm-hmm. like the scenes where he's showing her how the gun works and everything like that. He's um, he's hunky enough to stand side by side with Ripley. He's like a, and I like what I like about him is he brings like a soft-spoken everyman. He's like clearly in control, but he's he's also sensitive like, too. Yeah, yeah. And he's not like um, I don't know. It could have been. You know, I could you could have seen like Mark Rolston who plays one of the other people, you know, uh, in it. You could have seen him in that role, like a big intimidating. Some of the tougher yeah, they got a lot yeah. of tough guys. It, yeah. Like guys who play Drake or Frost or those kind of fellas. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you certainly could have brought in, but Michael Bean is great. And one thing I noticed here, second Cameron movie in a row, where the ostensible male lead is severely wounded. And drug around by what it actually turns out is the female hero of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is essentially sidelined when the female hero has to actually take care of business and save the day. Wow. Which, awesome. Yeah. You know, beautiful. It lo- it's great. I mean, uh, you, know, you almost kind of wish it had happened in True Lies, but Arnold would never have let that oh, happen no, in a million yet. years. No um, way. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Tom Arnold, but not Yeah, maybe Tom Arnold, but not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's great in it. He's, yeah, I think you're right. Because like one of the great things about him is that he's the only one of the Marines who kind of recognizes the threat mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And it's really cool how kind of his eyes show it, kind of the weariness on his face, like, you know, he knows he has to be brave. He knows he has to kind of, a sacrifice might even be on the table, but you could tell he's like, oh, we are really up against something and this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, moving, uh, moving on to another, we've, you know, he was in, not only in Terminator, but he was in Piranha 2 The Spawning. Lance Hendrickson Ooh. is back, this time playing the, I, you know, classic part of the alien series you know uh, the trope that you know i think that they need to have in all of them i think david fincher kind of should have forced it a little bit more in alien 3 you have to have the android character yep it's just uh, it might seem cliched and it might have been trying to be contrarian for the contrarian sake in alien 3 not to really feature one but i mean alien ian holm aliens with lance hendrickson and then 
I mean, I'm going to jump straight to, I think Michael Fassbender's work in Pr- Prometheus and Alien Covenant was actually almost Academy worthy in particular oh. in uh, Prometheus. I thought he was just extraordinary. And you get so much to do with this character, these character, this Android character who's so human that they can pass. I mean, it has like Blade Runner vibes oh. even to it too, if you want to like connect that as well. And it's such an interesting character and in this one what cameron did was make him heroic and sympathetic where he was um insidious and kind of the one playing this underhanded the underhanded character in alien in ian holmes character in this one he makes bishop you think you know and sigourney reaver has every reason to be suspicious of bishop when she first meets him she's very you know really coming at him but, you know, Hendrickson plays it for an actor who's so hard and has played so many villains and tough guys, mm. a profound sensitivity. Oh, it's very tender. It's a yeah. Very, it's a surprisingly tender performance. And I, I read he said he played it like a child, seeing yeah. that these people around him were so fallible and so doomed. And he was sad about it. What a, what a neat, like, that's a good actor. That is a good actor. He's I mean, very, that, and, and I like and I like him, and uh, I love the scene too, where like you know, like the times where they do show his like, uh, his uh, inhumanness, I guess his androidness, um, are so well done by Cameron. Mm-hmm. And I think the one that best exemplifies it is the scene where he has to like crawl through that. Yes, that that space. yeah, it's like oh, you're a svelte guy, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's like a svelte guy, but it's also like it's so tight that like, yeah, I don't think any human would want to do that or would like be comfortable. Like the fact that he's doing it, and it's a testament to Lance's acting. The fact that he's like in this tight space and he's not freaking the fuck the fuck out. <laughs> like, <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, he's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's just incredible. And I, I mean, his the ending sequence when he comes in and kind of saves the day, mm. but but suffers dire consequences for saving the day. But you really like care about him, even when like Nude is screaming, Bishop. It's like Frankenstein and but the Monster Squad. <laughs> it's like you know, it's just they humanize him so well, and he's like, it, it, it's just Cameron absolutely taking a look at what worked in mm. Alien. And seeing how to kind of flip that, right? A little and like twist it a little bit, so you still have what worked, but like raise it even more so. And then um, we got to move on. I guess we'll talk about uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Patrick already mentioned kind of the casting process. I think for those of you who are not hip to this movie, who are this might be your first screening. This casting obviously would probably not fly. Oh, it's yeah, it's bad by today's standards. Um, she is playing a you know, Latina woman, yeah. Uh, she's not, no, but literally, literally, literally to the point that there was makeup and tanning and that, and and a heavy, and a heavy, like, kind of um, stereotypical accent involved. Now, I don't think that necessarily takes away with the characters, like. The, the interest Vasquez as a character the portrayal is is what it is but the Vasquez as a character who starts off kind of being this one note tough you know kind of the tough okay. lady 
Yeah, exactly. Who shows a lot of different sides, very heroic, and ends up in a, you know, has to do a self-sacrifice for their demise, and it's beautiful. And you really care about Vasquez as a character. So despite the uh, insensitive, by today's certainly standards, casting, uh, Jeanette Goldstein is great in kind of the emotional and kind of the human aspects of the part yeah. and she and she looks terrific i mean she's she's built yeah. <laughs> like you know <laughs> and you know the, and the introduction of her doing pull-ups as she gets unfrozen is so badass <laughs> and it's just like you know you know and, and it, it is cameron immediately turning things on his head it's like oh the most badass member of this marine crew is a lady yeah which is really you know i like Obviously, yeah, the interest questions because I was when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, that's because she's in near dark and not playing Latina. She's playing like herself. Yeah. In near dark. And I was watching Aliens. So I was like, Oh, that's weird. And then I kind of like dug in, I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's pretty uh, it's it's, uh, it's pretty like uh, you know, it was uh, I mean, we don't want to make we don't want to make excuses yeah for it i think that there is some ground not obviously can't justify all any like all of it at all there is some ground made up by the fact that she is heroic she is like the toughest member of the marines and as a woman in 1986 that's a cool choice yeah uh doesn't forgive the racial insensitivities but yeah it just makes you wish that like cameron named that character like tim like tim or something not vasquez like you could yeah that exact you could have done the exact same thing yeah Yeah. and just you know or she has like a brooklyn accent or something and her name is like yeah like yeah yeah she yeah she yeah she could have been like hughes guys or something like that i'm exploding aliens over here i I haven't seen something this bad since the pizza on so-and-so street you know (laughs) that octurian pizza yeah what is Uh, what is octurian i want to see that's a thing yeah (laughs) yeah another time but um it doesn't take away she's a great actor and she became uh a cameron regular uh, we'll, we will meet her again in both Terminator 2 and Titanic. And also, uh, plays a key role with Lance Hendrickson and our next actor up in Catherine Bigelow, one of James Cameron's future wife and colleague, uh, her masterful film, Near Dark. Uh, but we would be remiss if we... Actually, I'm going to save this this actor for last of our key supporting characters mm-hmm. because we, we should probably discuss Paul Reiser first. Ooh, yeah. uh, Paul Reiser plays Burke kind of setting the mold and the tone for the shitty bureaucrat yep. eat villain that haunts Cameron's world. And I I maybe, maybe Cameron had actually started dealing more this goes back to something you said Patrick he had started been dealing more with studio people by the time he was writing Aliens. Uh, Terminator, pretty independent movie. Piranha 2, definitely independent. And he had worked at Cormanville before that. So this was his first dabblings in true studio politics. And I have a feeling uh, Mr. Burke has some, <laughs> had some inspiration came from some of the Pete some of the jackasses who were simultaneously glad handing and looking to stab him in the back. Oh, man. that okay. he met along the way 
Oh, totally. And I do love that, like, one of Cameron, like, Cameron's, like, one complaint about aliens was that, like, Burke would have, wouldn't have had the courage <laughs> to take the alien eggs or the alien, like, that's, like, the one thing he felt that didn't ring true in the entire, like, yeah. like spineless, like, the corporate guy would not have had the spine. To yeah, he that. sees them as more spineless now than ever before. Yeah. Which, rock, which is true. Rock oh, on. Rock oh, on. It's good as hell. Yeah. And Razor's great. He's perfect casting oh, for it. Yeah. He, he, he knocks it out of the park. You know, you know he's up to something. And then when he locks them in there, and he locks them in that room, right at the point where we have come to care, not only for Ripley, but for Hicks, for Vasquez, for Newt. Ugh. And let's just get to him. For our man Hudson, Bill Paxton. Mm who should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for, for this movie. I, I'm willing to say it, man. He knocks it out of the park. I mean, he's so funny. He you know, he does get a few heroic moments. Yeah. He, 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 you know, because Cameron could have played him completely for laughs and as an idiot. Mm -hmm. But he is an operator. He is good at his job. He just reacts like a human being when faced with an alien annihilation, which is to completely and utterly freak out. <laughs> yeah, totally reasonable considering yeah. the situation. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, you almost wish it is a human reaction to say, my God, everyone I know just got slaughtered by acid dripping aliens. Yeah, and now we have to survive here for like you know weeks and on end. <laughs> as like Bishop and Hicks and Ripley are like throwing out facts about just how bad their situation is, <laughs> like like everything is so stacked because it's like oh yeah, like okay we've made it here, we got to get the we could get out of here with oh wait aliens got the getaway jet too, and the getaway jet has crashed into the power structure so regardless of if the aliens get us or are not this pl entire place is going to what an awesome james cameron he adds a race against time element to the entire thing yeah that's another hey that's another billy zane on the thing yeah with the yeah it's i mean you could argue it's hat on hat but somehow he pulls the entire thing oh, off they're great hats it's like yeah because yeah, like, all the hats rule yeah they're all they're all cool yeah, hats terrific it's like, hats it's like yeah, we have hats. no we have no hipster fedoras here <laughs> no. these are all cool hats these are all the, <laughs> these are the good kind they're it's like a baseball yeah. cat and then a cowboy hat it's wonderful yeah like so a cool cool. cowboy hat too yeah those are the two yeah the cool those are the two cool hats like kurt russell's hat in tombstone or something like that you, <laughs> that know, you guys you know you know y'all know what i'm talking about yeah that's a good boy tombstone almost feels like if james cameron did a western it would turn out to be tombstone yeah. like like to the point that bill paxton is in it <laughs> yeah. you, okay i will say do you think do you think cameron would end it though with that that weird dancing yeah, I do actually think so. I think he would have pumped up the love story even more so. Yeah. Quick to I mean, Jen and I quote Tombstone, like two lines from Tombstone on a near daily basis. The one after Bill Paxton is killed and Wyatt Earp is leaving town and he stops at Powers Booth and Powers Booth just goes, well, bye. We say well, bye all the time. 
in our house. And then the other one is Robert Mitchum comes in as the narrator at the end of it. And if you're wondering what happened to Wyatt Earp's first wife, the drug addict, <laughs> as, as he's off cavorting with Dana Delaney, and he goes, like, as he's just summing things up, he goes, Maddie died of a drug overdose. <laughs> you're just like, what? <laughs> Not to sit Tombstone Rocks. Oh yeah, but okay. uh, I'm just looking at this cast really quickly. Damn. Oh, Steve the heavy, Lang? the heaviest Michael of Bean. hitters. Oh man. Oh, Michael Bean. Yeah, I forgot yeah, Michael Bean. Bean's in it too. Yeah, they're yeah. like freaking all these like Cameron buddies. Like yeah, a lot of friends of Cameron. Some of the best Cameron guys. Also, imagine the stories that would come from a Val Kilmer James Cameron production. That would be <sighs> those two. Those oh, two somebody would die. Men. Somebody would die. Yeah. Great that you brought that up. All right, let's Bill Paxton rules. Let's get to the <laughs> let's get to the production. So it was cheaper to shoot this movie in England, which where they also shot the original alien which makes sense because yes. ridley scott is a british director james cameron definitively is not a british director no. and immediately got off on the wrong foot with pretty much everyone involved oh, yeah. uh we can start off uh fired cinematographer because he overlit the queen's hive fired his first ad who had the loyalty of the entire crew beyond that because Basically, Cameron would give them an instruction. Then Cameron, go, the AD, would say, "No, you want it this way," which is not true <laughs> at all. Cameron knows exactly how he wants it. Caused a near mutiny on the set when he fired this gentleman, uh, to the point where Cameron had first went to 20th Century Fox and demanded the entire production be moved midway through to the United States, which everyone from Gale and heard upward was like jim that cannot happen at all uh so he he was able to uh just basically say we're just trying to make the best movie possible please stick with me through this production but it was the crew and him never got along period also like the, the like in england like like they would have like yes <laughs> the... they would have these like, <laughs> like which other american directors I have read it. Other stories have called out as in their minds being complete bullshit as well. Yeah. When the tea cart with the tea and cookies comes in twice a day and everything on, if that happens on a James Cameron set, he will explode. He crumpets are being thrown. Yeah. Like he just thought it was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard in his life. Uh, Truly. I mean, and it's it's odd. It's a it's a th- it is a throwback decision, certainly from probably from like the Hitchcock British years and that sort of thing. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I I I think I would I, I would like it. I like the idea of a tea time. Tea time does yes. sound fun. It does sound fun. Probably not conducive to making a film under a certain budget at a certain time. Also, and that. when you're and when you're a hard charger who demands. 24-7 you know and this this is a modern this actually is quite a modern question of kind of like the humanity of productions yes um what is worth it Mm. like it like because cameron obviously gets extraordinary results um someone like david fincher gets extraordinary results uh, but 
they are asking of their team's extraordinary um, kind of commitment mm -hmm. to the point that some would say, oh, we got to do this for months on end, six days a week with like 16 hour days. That is, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little odd because, you know, I've, you know, I've said before, I, I want to, I want to make films. I write films. I'm trying, uh, we're going to do some more shorts after uh, oh, the hell world quote unquote is yeah. over. Um, and I tend to have a personality that that idea of like, when you're there, that level of commitment makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, uh, but it's also like, I'm the writer director. If you're just a, if this is just your job, and you know, like a like, uh, you know, like a lot of in particular on this product, these people were employees of the studio, yeah, that Cameron was working at. So they do their job. They go home. They do their job well. They go home. These are yeah. professionals. Well, that's the thing. It's a nine to five for them. It's not. Yes. Like a, it's not like a passion project. It's not like they're Joan of Arc or whatever. Which it is. For Cameron. It is for him. One hundred percent. It is for him, and that's how he gets. That's how he gets these movies. That's how yeah. David Fincher gets his movies and so forth. Um, uh, it is fascinating. And that's a tough, it's a very gray area that I don't exactly have a good answer yeah. to. Uh, because I would, I kind of, I see both sides. Not to be insensitive to those who are demanded yeah. upon for 16 hour days. I do see both sides in that level of commitment because I believe in the, I believe in movies at this level too. Yeah, I mean, um, it is like, yeah, and I think like, you know, uh, obviously Don and I are always on the sides of workers' rights and everything. Yes, but, uh, yes. Always, like, always. I think that's, that they, I, I, I think it just has to be something that is felt out, like, and obviously he didn't get yeah. to go to England to vet, vet this as much. I'm sure now on Avatar, yeah. the Avatar sequels, his team is a team he has vetted to know that they're going to stick around yeah, and do good. and have they have this like i know david fincher he has really worked hard to kind of like he watches everyone on set and he can see the people who are willing to go as far as he goes and he actually promotes from within and the uh, most a lot of the like the guy who shot mank shot on he mindhunter Right. And, you know, Fincher saw him. He's like, oh, this is the kind of guy who can do this. I was watching the credits on Seven. The gaffer on Seven was the director of photography on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Wow. He saw, he sees, he sees these people and, like, brings them up. And I'm sure Cameron at this point does the same thing. And he just did not have kind of the all-encompassing thing to do so on Aliens. Um, but, yes, like... It, I think it just needs to be something that is you're looking at everyone you're hiring and talking to them ahead of time and saying, I, yeah, I'm asking for this. This is what we're going to do. If you are not up for that, I don't know if this is going to work out. And you just kind of tear that bandaid at the top. I basically. think that's like, the, I think that is like a hundred percent. Cause like, I do believe in like, like you, if you have art that you want to make and you want to put your like heart and soul into it, like you should do that like i do think that like you should but it's all but i also think that like yeah it sucks that aliens was this like the one time cameron has had to like weirdly like be more accommodating 
Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it is like yeah, it's like a it's like a bummer both ways. Uh, yeah, obviously, and I was, think that there's also an element that he was much younger. Oh, and that he is today, a bigger, and a, a far bigger asshole. And there's also <laughs> a, yeah, and there's also I think a pressure with the first oh. studio movie that has broken a lot of people in that oh. position. There's just a lot of pieces in this, and Cameron does not make things easy on himself. I mean, this yeah. movie is insane, and the next one we're going to talk about in just a few here <laughs> takes, it, takes it over the top. Yeah. Um, but Cameron, on the final day of shooting at Pinewood, and we are going to do a quote word for word because this is a good one, folks. Ooh. He addressed the crew after they finally made it through. The relationship was cool, but they figured it out. Cameron tells the crew upon conclusion, this has been a long and difficult shoot fraught by many problems. But the one thing that kept me going through it all was the certain knowledge that one day I would drive out the gate of Pinewood and never come back. And that you sorry bastards would still be here. Wow. (laughs) In a later interview, he described most of the crew as lazy, insolent, and arrogant bill pat bill paxton who is kind of a cameron whisperer (laughs) called the crew's work impeccable but their attitude more relaxed than the american crews to which they were all accustomed to yeah this bill paxton gentleman you know you know i'm sure he made everyone thrilled on set yes uh and he uh apparently uh would um color and craft things with the young actress who played Newt between takes. Oh, that's nice. Just a true gentleman, as we all know. Uh, Another fun set story is that uh, Sigourney Weaver would give a bouquet of flowers to each actor on the day of their death scene. Wow. And gave Paul Reiser a bouquet of dead flowers on his death scene day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which fun fun little gag based on his shitty character <laughs> but uh it sounds like you know the actors on this one they were able just to have develop a really strong camaraderie it wasn't a, a truly brutal shoot they kept they tried to keep sigourney weaver and paul riser away from the marines just to kind of get the marines in kind of a um to make him a real solid team uh michael bean said he actually felt disappointed because he joined a little bit later he did not get the um that early training and camaraderie yeah and speaking of which uh our one of our absolute we before we move on we got to really highlight one of our favorites of the marines that we have not which is al matthews who played sergeant of the cigar chomping sergeant apone uh decorated vietnam veteran himself he kind of took charge among the actors to kind of give them an idea of what they'd be look if they were this band of soldiers kind of how to behave right down to the point of perhaps not pointing gun at other people when you're not on camera as jokes <laughs> uh but he's wonderful i mean and just top to bottom i mean you know but it, uh william hope plays gorman is a key character as well. Like Rico Ross, who was Frost, Mark Ralston, who was Drake. Uh, they're all wonderful. Oh yeah, and I and I love I love uh, I love Gorman. I love William Hope as Gorman. His role is kind of like he's weirdly, he has like a big Stingo energy in this. 
He has huge. Yeah. He's not, he's not the Stingo, but he has. But it's good. I think the Stingo energy is good. I like that because it's. Like hey, he 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 kind of. I mean, if we if we're if we're assigning Stingos, he has the Stingo of the um of it all, certainly. Yeah, and he's like, and he just has like, well, and it's just like he's so like um. There's like a blandness to his character, and like a, a, a like a, a a very clear like a mm-hmm. yellow um green not yellow but he, but Cameron gives him a full arc because yeah. he had because he has to be brave he, at the end of it and he is and it rules like uh, that's yeah it's great thing. yeah and then um and then uh also uh, Rico Ross uh, the guy who plays yeah Frost he, he turned down a role in Full Metal Jacket yeah, in that's the movie. right that's right yeah. Miss, you know we'll let the audience be a judge if that was uh, the correct decision I mean well I. I Kubrick, much like the aforementioned James Cameron and the aforementioned David Fincher, fairly demanding. <laughs> so, <laughs> as well. Uh, but this is a absolutely terrific movie. I think we'd be. Let me find my notes here. Uh, it's this. Yeah, it's it's a really. It really outside of yes, the the casting. That is a little it, is iffy. I think that everything else in this movie still soars. And works yeah. completely. It's deeply entertaining. It's the last hour is about as action packed as it gets. The um, the conclusion in which Ripley jumps into the power loader and actually has pretty much hand to hand combat with the Queen mm-hmm. Alien and her you know immortal line the get away what is it get away back off you bitch or get away yeah. from her you bitch. Uh, and the way Cameron shoots the close up, apparently only one take, and Sigourney Weaver uh, thought she blew it. Um, it just—it's so satisfying. Oh yeah, the entire thing. Uh, the movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It was nominated for best sound, best editing, best original score, best sound effects editing, best visual effects, and in in a big big deal. Did I say best art direction? Yeah, maybe. Um, but it, the, probably the biggest deal, uh, Sigourney Weaver was nominated for Best Actress, which wow. for a sci-fi action sequel, that's really saying how well this performance goes over. And it's right. It, it is, um, you know, we could do an entire podcast series on kind of rip the Ripley effect mm-hmm. on just how massive a performance is it. Because... Not only, you know, just you get to run the gamut of kind of actorly emotional things mm-hmm. and this wonderful kind of like the core of the movie, which is the surrogate motherhood to Newt. She stands toe to toe. I mean, this was the peak era. This was the peak of Arnold. This was the peak of the peak era of Sly, uh, JCVD, Seagal, even a little bit later on, Norris. I mean, down the line, the big like muscle bound action heroes and Ripley's character is like as iconic has as great a moments as any of them of this era. And this is what, I mean, this is obviously this movie stands with, you know, Terminator uh, predator as among the greatest action movie, uh, greatest. It could be the greatest action movie of the eighties. Yeah. Just and in I, general, in an era of that was defined by action movies. Yeah. I, I'm curious to think like, cause like, I, so I watched this again. Like, yeah, the one thing, like, it, it is. I think it is like. It might be one of the best action movies of all time. It is almost, you know, yeah, glaring errors here and there, etc. But uh, 
it is like almost like a perfect film. Yeah. The one thing I do, the one thing I do miss is it does miss that like it doesn't have that mystique that Alien has, or like that like sense of something grander, or like mm-hmm. it's weird. Uh, this movie is weirdly like um, it's very not weirdly. It's just it is. It's a very straightforward film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a blunt. Then- it's a blunt force object too. Kind of the sleek mystery of the first one. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but I think that also like works like, like not every fucking movie has to be like what mm-hmm. is what is, is there more to life? And, well, like, there yeah. is also kind of of the era because Aliens is like the peak of kind of the eighties maximalism, the action films, and Alien is actually the tail end of kind of the seven. It's not really Scott isn't a part of this group, but he's actually age wise is uh, the new Hollywood kind of uh you know the it's kind of the best like what a like a sci-fi film of that era oh, okay. would be it's like because yeah. it's 79 i mean you know that's i think the only one that's popping in my head is silent running was another sci-fi movie of that era uh yeah. phase four uh dark the star. saul bass uh, yeah like dark star Dark Star, Dark Star. Dark yes, uh, yeah. Black Carp- hole. I think Black Hole and Dark Star messed up. And but I, I'm sure that there are um, many more. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, even um, a little bit earlier, you can go back to, like, Omega Man or um, Soylent Green. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, those are a little bit toward, or Planet of the Apes, even. A um, little bit earlier, about a decade before. But kind of Alien is at the very tail end of that because Ridley Scott obviously is a director you could say kind of bridges that gap between kind of the artier, more um, ambiguous movies mm. of the 70s into kind of the commercial blockbuster filmmaking of the 80s onward. Uh, and Cameron, for all of the glory of Cameron, I would not say Cameron fits in at all. Despite yeah. being... Uh, pretty close to age some with some of those new he's about a decade younger than those new hollywood filmmakers but he's does not seem to be of their ilk he's his own beast at all yeah i mean he's way fits way more in in the as an 80s and 90s kind of style um but aliens like a full-throated recommendation i mean i get we should obviously quickly say too i kind of alluded to it a fantasy world of Meryl Streep playing Ripley because we've covered Meryl Streep so much. I wish like this is the kind of, this fits in with actually Meryl's like overall project Mm -hmm. of characters and that kind of thing. And it is very empowering role. Like you could see her doing it. I just, I just had the image in my head of like her saying, you know, get away from her, you bitch. Yeah. Like, it's good. It's I mean, really I, good. I don't, I don't want to change anything, but I just wish that there had been another. Because I actually think um, our next movie, let's we could bridge it over. I think Meryl Streep would have been very good in the Lindsay role in The Abyss. Yeah. Um, and yes, so basically, Aliens was a giant success. Cameron had, had um, he was a hot, well, maybe the hottest filmmaker at this point in Hollywood. I mean, the hottest young gun. Uh, he had pretty much carte blanche, and so he went back to an original idea. <laughs> this is an original idea. We'll put it that way. I mean, this yeah. is nuts. So he 
basically as a kid he grew up reading like all of like the isaac asimov hg wells kind of classic robert Heinlein um sci-fi stories he was extremely interested in science fiction from a young age and wrote a short story and had kind of the idea at 17 for the abyss um a kind of the 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 jumping off point is this whole like breathing through liquid thing the breathing through fluid that i'm not really gonna (laughs) we claim to be scientists here's where we're going to reveal ourselves. I don't know how the hell this works, yeah, even tried, after it happens. I tried reading something before our recording about this yeah. subject, and I was like, oh, I'm lost. Uh, I, I, like a, like I thought you were going to say you drowned three rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found a bunch of local rats. I and tried it. Did not work. They're yeah, dead. <laughs> I, tried, I tried water. I tried soda. Yeah. I tried diet soda. They couldn't tried Red it. Bull. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, The Abyss was released, ended up being released in 1989. Uh, it was uh, budgeted at 43 to 47 million. I think we might have some studio fussing over just how much this movie cost because the on time, under budget thing that we praised James Cameron for in Aliens did not seem to work out as well in The Abyss. Uh, it made $90 million, generally, though, considered. Uh, box office uh, on the disappointing end yeah. of James Cameron's work, especially considering everything else he was a part of. Should have mentioned on Aliens because this is going to be a running theme as well. I watched the theatrical cut on Blu-ray on Aliens. The majority of Cameron's releases after the original Terminator have extended director's cuts. Uh, I'm sticking on the th- in the theatrical realm mm-hmm. with the original as we would have seen it in person uh, version of it. Patrick, did you watch which version of Aliens did you watch? We should let the audience know just make sure. Yeah, I will say I watched the uh, I watched the theatrical, although I do have like very good. I've watched the extended version multiple times. Yes. So I, uh, yeah. And for a lot of Cameron's cuts, because he struggles in the editing room because he is a maximalist. A lot of people do feel that the Aliens, the Terminator 2, and yes, the Abyss uh, director's cuts are kind of preferable versions of the movies. The Abyss is kind of in a rough spot right now, only available on DVD. There's no Blu-ray edition of it, sadly. And uh, it's kind of MIA, currently streaming. I will say, I... I rented, so on the subject of uh, Pasadena, and I don't know if you're going to bring them up again. No, this is it. This is, this is, this is their time. (laughs) Yeah. I did rent a, uh, the Abyss on, uh, and I rented it on uh, Blu-ray. Oh, you got maybe like an import or something. But it was a weird, that's what I was going to say. It was a really weird copy of it. (laughs) It was like, it was like clearly like, this was like clearly not, um, an American release. Yeah. It almost, I, it almost felt like it could have been. It might have been a little, uh, it was just, it was interesting. It was weird. It was, it was a little janky. And apparently there is, Cameron has, they, they have been working on a 4K remaster Ooh. of The Abyss, which is very exciting. I will be gladly replace my DVD with a new sick ass Blu ray edition. But um, the, Disney's purchase of Fox may have put a wrinkle in this actually getting released anytime soon. Oh, uh, they have not 
shown physical media as being a priority, and they have in particular not shown Fox um, catalog titles as being a priority. There was big uh, uproar. We don't need to be digressed a bit already over today, but there was a big uproar uh, when this uh, merger took place that um, a lot of Fox studio um, catalog titles had uh, become difficult mm. for revival houses like uh, Los Angeles's uh, American Cinema Tech or the New Beverly to obtain. Mm. So the Alien series, movie, everything from the Alien series to the Die Hard series to Fight Club, uh, to name some that kind of get a lot of revival screenings, tougher to come by so yet again folks if you learn anything uh hang on to your physical media because we don't know what these dang studio overlords are going to do with it like i was trying to find a copy of um blu-ray copy of point break from 20th century fox it's been tougher to come by that yeah that is so sad that like yeah we are heading towards this point where like everything's going to be increasingly only on streaming and And we can't trust them to be at not be kind of diabolical gatekeepers. Oh yeah, no. And the, um, and the only things that Disney cares about from Fox are like the properties that like, you know, the Simpsons, the Avatar. The Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. yeah. They have a lot of love for Avatar. They're big yeah, I, the fo- and then the Marvel titles that uh, Fox previously had the rights to like X-Men or Deadpool or oh, the man. Fantastic Four. Um, so we should, uh, if we, uh, if, if COVID, uh, when, when COVID ever ends, if we're ever out of quarantine, we should go to Avatar Land in. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll report on that. We'll absolutely do a bonus episode a bonus and episode. report on that. Um, we're going to ride the big Leptodera talks or whatever the heck it's called. And um, it is streaming, but uh, in terms of its physical media release, uh, True Lies is in the same kind of purgatory right now. There's only a DVD, there's no Blu ray. And, uh, I watched it on DVD, and we can talk about it on the True Lies episode. It doesn't look that good. Uh, the Abyss looked better, but I think because uh, the Abyss is the the Abyss is stunning. Yeah. Regardless of what version I think you're watching it on, it is a. I think it's his most personal film. I think it's taking a lot of his interests. And I just read before we jumped on. Uh, so he had worked with Gail and Heard from the Corman days through Terminator, through Aliens. They got married. Uh, They had separated basically toward pre-production of The Abyss and were divorced by the end of production. And I I, I don't think it's a giant leap to suggest Bud and Lindsay in The Abyss are comparable people to Jim and Gail in real life. Uh, like, I think I sent a text to you yeah. uh, when I was watching ours like, oh, Ed Harris is like James Cameron. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he has like, said it his, like he is impressed with the Bud character. So for those of you who don't know, um, I'm going to just kind of try and – this is a complicated-ass movie, so we won't try and give you a big plot-level thing. But basically there's this uh, drilling expedition called Deep Core that Ed Harris, who plays uh, Bud, Virgil is his real name, and they think that's really funny. Everyone has great names and nicknames in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
there's a, a Russian a U.S. submarine. Or is it a U.S.? Yes, it's US, a U.S. US submarine US. sinks uh, near Deep Core. Uh, Deep Core is not a military operation, though, but they're concerned because this is still kind of um, there's still Cold War vibes in the air, mm -hmm. certainly around this time. And uh, so there's some concern that the Russians were involved in the sinking of this sub. So um, the designer of the sub, Lindsay Brigman, is sent down along with a SEAL team who's going to investigate. Lindsay is the estranged wife of Bud. And Lindsay is played by Mary, Mary Elizabeth Mastri, uh, Mastrantonio. Yeah, that was a hard one. <laughs> yeah, uh, who I remember as a kid for being made Marion in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood oh. film, which was one we watched a lot inexplicably. Speaking of strange accents and weird casting choices, uh, Kevin Costner is Robin Hood. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I say that as a Costner head. Uh, and then uh, Ed Harris bringing extreme, um, competent everyman energy. Mm -hmm to the role of our leading man, uh, Virgil Bud Brigman. They are surrounded by just a rad team of rough, yeah. of fun, nickname-oriented roughnecks who are helping yeah. them out in deep core. We did exchange texts that it was sad to us that they couldn't shoehorn Bill Paxton in as one of these guys because oh, yeah. he, he would have fit in perfectly. Uh, but leading the SEAL team down to investigate the sunken sub is none other than Michael Bean. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, back again, this time as Coffee, um, <laughs> who is revealed to be the villain. Uh, a sympathetic villain, though, because it is kind of uh, being underwater too long is what drives him to extend his militaristic vibes. Uh, so this movie is kind of a combination of a... <laughs> tender marital drama of the Mike Nichols variety even <laughs> um, with a uh, Cold War action picture uh, combined with extreme like perhaps his most sci-fi out there sci-fi elements mm -hmm. uh, all utilizing the highest end technology for filmmaking that is possible in 1989 uh it is it, it really shouldn't work and i would say it mostly actually does which is really saying something because yeah, this is a wild movie and the fact that like yeah and i will say too that it is this the visual the special effects it is kind of and i think part of it is Cameron was very smart about what he created and what he chose to like uh, to demonstrate visually. Yeah. And the fact that a lot of it, like it's not perfect, but a lot of it holds up way better than comparable technology of the time. It doesn't really actually have any right. Like I, I had to keep looking at 1989. This doesn't look that bad. Like it's like, there are movies that came out in 1999 that looked terrible by oh, comparison. Big time. Like, this is on par for me with, like, Independence Day. Like, that level of, like, quality. And it's, like, it's, it is... It's just, it's the craft is all there. Yeah, it's good. And it, it it's a really... But, I mean, the, the oddest part, though, 
I, I want to talk about this. We might be jumping ahead a little bit with this movie, but um, the oddest part about all of it is that despite all of the technological advances, the amazing underwater photography that we'll talk about when we get to production, um, toward the end, there's a sequence in which uh, Bud and Lindsay are stuck in like a, a survey, like a side sub like a smaller like vessel the water's coming in uh the things that we know is that they only have one oxygen tank the water's absolutely they're like two thousand feet down if i'm not mistaken so water's absolutely freezing freezing water we'll get back to that soon enough um and in essence they have to make a run to get back to deep core and it's going to be very very difficult for one of them to survive the, because they only have the uh, suit and oxygen and so forth for one of them. Um, the science behind how they get back is much like the breathing liquid. I'm a little confused by how this works, yeah. but for some reason they feel like if one of them freezes, basically yeah. that will like, I, I don't get it, but it <laughs> does, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the point. That is not the point. It's, it's, it felt like a bit of a stretch to me, but not the point because yeah. this is the emotional scene in which they come together and tell each other that they like love each other and they like respect each other. And they're just too good at their jobs and they're too hard-nosed to have recognized that. They decide that Bud is the best swimmer of the two, which means Lindsay's going to be the one to freeze. Mm. So they bring them up. And what follows is when they get back to deep core, bring Lindsay up and they have to revive her. There are no special effects. Yeah. There's some makeup, but it is. Hey, this gets us back almost to what is a movie and what is important in a movie. This scene is the best scene in all of the abyss and it involves none of the toys or gadgets. It involves actors and characters you care about and the desire to survive and shooting them appropriately. Well, and it's this thing too, I'm not going to lie. When that scene first began, I was like, this is dumb as hell. This doesn't make sense. This isn't gonna, this, this is, I was like, you know, I have my, like, you know, my thinking cap. Yeah. My, like my little, like, actually. yeah, you're thinking about like how, it, so they're going to unfreeze her and everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like brain, like her brain is frozen. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Like that's what I was thinking too. Like she's going to have brain it. But like when like yeah. Ed Harris like opens up, like it's true. Cause the thing too is Ed Harris has like this such a tremendous, uh, capacity for playing someone who's just truly cold. Yeah, like I really and, associate Ed Harris with cold. And like, yeah, and he's like a, he could, he plays like military guys yeah. or leaders or, or like pre, like yeah, or bad guys. Or like, bad guys. Yes, he doesn't have like it's like I, there is a part of me that thinks that like part of like the reason for Ed Harris uh, for the abyss. I'm not gonna put it all on him, obviously. Like, there's a lot of reasons, but like, there is this part of me that like the abyss, like Ed Harris, is not like the conventional lead. Well, we texted like, about like, it, the idea of like Bruce Willis playing this part, because oh, this yeah. is like this part is kind of in Bruce's wheelhouse. Yes, I don't, I, but I don't think he's as good. I think Ed Harris knocks this part out oh, of the park, which I role. think you're, but you're about to get to. Yeah, 
why he knocks it out of the park. Because he like opens up and it's so he's so tender. He like he's absolutely vulnerable oh, in the God, moment. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, the it's way so he's real. just simple Earned. close simple close up of him doing it. And then those wide shots of all the crew people like the resignation crossing their face like we've lost her yeah. and the scene goes on forever that's and that's part it's of like, like which is part of the reason why it works yeah <laughs> which is like and it shouldn't because the more it goes yeah. on it should, it like, should this scene less, should be too long yeah it makes less sense it's like yeah like like this character should definitely have brain damage yeah and like <laughs> he like they they jolt her and do cpr in what feels like real time yeah in what this would do it's it's absolutely an extraordinary scene. It's the thing I'm gonna remember the most. Yeah. From watching this, it reminds me of what Paul Thomas Anderson once said. I quote this all the time because I think it's like, I think I've probably quoted it. I've quoted it definitely on our show. Is this idea of like, I don't need special effects. I have Daniel Day Lewis, mm. and you don't need when you have peak Ed Harris. Ooh. You don't need any of this other like accoutrement. You don't need any of this bullshit. No. Like his popping blue eyes, which God given blue eyes, staring down, desperately hoping that his he could get his wife, who he realizes he's loved all along, like <laughs> back to life. It doesn't the rest of it doesn't matter. No. And but I think Cameron gets that. Mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that more in titanic yeah, actually and, 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 like, <laughs> like i think i think like yeah like i said i do think that part of it like why this movie didn't do so well is because it was ed harris and that confused people i think the world did ed harris dirty i think the world again the world should have understood i, think I mean is- this is this is a very physical thing but do you think if he had a full head of hair honestly he, his career would be different i think there is a part of me that's like if he had a it's like I think it's like not. I don't even know if it's the full head of hair as much as like he just doesn't have like. I think it is just like I think people associate his face with like the. We I don't think he has government. a lot of. He doesn't have a softness. No, he's not soft. That's exactly. Yeah. It. He's not soft. He's not a soft man, and that's yeah. why it's so effective. Is because he's you see this like hard dude. But he's a deeply down. and we will get. This is a perfect time to move actually into production because he is a he is a sensitive actor yeah like he's he think he's like this like you think he's like the general he plays in the rock or something like that but but think about think about his work in um like right after this in apollo 13 and the truman show which are my two favorite ed harris performances i think i love it he's so good and he that guy especially in truman show could have been a pretty surfacey villain mm-hmm. type character and the close-ups again because if he's got the he's got those he was not blessed with hair but he was blessed with those blue eyes, oh, eyes. <laughs> um, you know he loves truman yeah I mean, this is, we're not talking about the truman show but we could because that movie's fucking great too um, i feel like p-top is like also like a weird like i feel like he is like a weird like uh not a critique even necessarily but like there's like james cameron-esque elements to, like, yes yes yeah, yeah. I, just, I can see james cameron being like i want to, i want to create a show oh he and he could have and yeah. it would have and we probably all would have watched it <laughs> yeah no i would be so into cameron make a truman show i i would have been like but then when it got canceled i would have been like kyle gas in that bathtub uh wait a book 
is so is so like kind of on the nose but it's so funny it doesn't matter see that is like a type of thing that james cameron would put in his movie too yeah (laughs) oh yeah he absolutely would have done yeah it would have been as the same but that is the weird thing about movies is that you can get away with that bullshit yeah and it's kind of cheesy but it's kind of like no that works man like it's i we'll talk about the end of terminator 2 yeah when the time comes because it should be cheesy as hell, the end yeah. of Terminator, and you're bawling your damn eyes out at the oh, end man. of it. But um, so we talked about Ed Hare. We talked about this amazing, truly brilliant scene. Mm-hmm. But this scene is also a perfect microcosm of the production because mm-hmm. we're as we were raving about Ed Harris's brilliant performance in that close-up, he was doing CPR on like a sandbag because Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio had already had it by that point and walked off set in a tizzy. And when they had to shoot the close-ups, she would not perform the scene again. Oh yeah, totally. Because they, in the shooting schedule, this scene came at kind of a breaking point for everyone involved. And one could only imagine you're Mary Elizabeth You've signed on to do this movie, and now you're months in. Everyone at one point or another has nearly drowned. Yeah. Uh, also, like the chlorine levels weren't initially like, yeah. like done properly. Yes. So people like lost hair. They were losing hair, and get skin was getting bleached. Yeah. Um, the chances, like Cameron, apparently had to hang upside down in order to avoid uh, deep water sickness. Oh, for like two hours a night and was watching dailies upside down underwater um cameron himself was nearly killed twice that story so which wild. is but so they have all reached this emotional point ed harris told a story that he was driving home from to his hotel from work in tears mm. most nights just because of the emotional breaking point oh, that he God. was at. And this is Ed Harris, one of the tough guys, you would think, of this. Just being driven. They said that they were throwing things uh, out windows. They were just, the actors were all losing their minds. Mary Elizabeth even said that um, they never finished a scene in a day. Every wow. scene went multiple days. So it's just absolute and they're underwater or in water all the time because cameron bought an abandoned nuclear silo in was it south carolina yes in south carolina to create at the time the largest tank to shoot in that was over 50 feet deep uh, everyone had to get certified for like diving. Uh, they built, Cameron worked with his engineer brother to build new masks, to build new radios so he could communicate with everyone. It was a one-way microphone so no one could communicate back to the point where every one of the crews that they were having nightmares of his voice oh, yelling God. at them through speakers in their helmets underwater. That is the um, ultimate like troll move. <laughs> Just to be like, you, I'll yeah. tell you what to do. You can't, you can't talk back to me. And I get it. You have to do that because he can't, like, he's communicating with a bunch of different people. So it's not like, you know, 
Uh, yes. Even Michael Bean developed frustration, who, if you've read The Futurist or any Cameron articles, Michael Bean is a staunch defender yeah. of James Cameron's actions. Uh, Cameron responded to all complaints by saying, for every hour they spent trying to figure out what magazine to read, we spent an hour at the bottom of the tank breathing compressed air. So, not quite sympathetic um, with any of it um, also like yeah oh god can we like really quickly just say the story about how he almost like how cameron almost died yeah go ahead you yeah you could take have, that one we've got a because like he was underwater like yeah he would have to like he would like do five him- hour shifts underwater switching out air tanks yeah, every hour and 15 minutes. And yes. he would, like, have an additional... A key fact. A key oh, fact. Yeah. <laughs> he would have, like, an additional, like, 80 pounds of weight, like, tied to him. So he could, like, stand I think he was bottom. he was doing camera operating, too. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. So he could be on the bottom. He was weighed down. Yeah. And uh, what would happen is he would get his AD because he would get, you know, Cameron's the one to get in the zone. Yeah. Uh, he's a big... He's, like, you know, yeah. he gets in his element. He loves not the, Not paying attention to the clock. No, not at all. And he was like, and he'd tell his AD, hey, buddy, like, you know, if it's around, you know, an hour in, just let me know that my air is running out. And uh, one day, uh, he, <laughs> Cameron, uh, took a breath, realized no air. <laughs> not uh, good. Cameron was not the only one to forget the time. <laughs> yeah, he realized, oh, my AD forgot. Um, uh, and so he was trying to, like, first he tried to warn people like how what occurred he was trying to warn him al giddings i believe but al giddings like ear uh the radios uh malfunctioned yeah the radios malfunctioned exactly the radios malfunctioned and so So he's at the bottom of this 50 foot tank weighed down without any air oh and unable to communicate with anyone that he's in big big trouble oh yeah so he like takes he takes off his uh he takes off his helmet I believe, right? And like, you know, it's a helmet which cost probably quadruple the amount of the last short film I made. Oh yeah, like yeah, no, this was like <laughs> this helmet probably uh made was, for the made for the production. Yeah, this was like this helmet uh this helmet could have funded a Mumblecore movie. Yes. Yes. This could have this helmet. One thousand percent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the helmet, the cost of baghead was yeah. the cost of this helmet. Yeah, the cost of the Guatemalan handshake. Yeah. <laughs> but uh like it's uh, oh, that was a nice poll, by the way. Oh, I, I went a little bit more surface mumblecore. You went a couple levels deeper. Oh, I know nice, my time. Nice. I know my Todd yeah. Rohal. Uh, <laughs> I know my time. I love my favorite my favorite Todd Rohal movie. Uh, the Adult Swim short he did where the movie is like, he made a movie for Adult Swim or like he did one of those little like specials for Adult Swim mm-hmm. and the entire movie is like fast forwarded. And it's about a it's about a robot. Uh, it's like about a, uh, a janitor who is in love with someone and in order to like, uh, you know follow his love he makes a robot janitor and then the robot janitor starts going on a homicidal rampage and it's all done in like weird like it's like it's like times 50 speed and everyone has like squeaky squeaky voices and it's it's insane i was thinking earlier when i was watching breaking the waves i was like i want to watch breaking the waves with james cameron just to see what his opinion is on these things but now i want to watch the film you just described with james oh, cameron <laughs> oh please oh what is that called like invite us over to watch some movies jim yeah but please. uh yeah okay so um, it's called Cam- Mops. <laughs> cameron is weighed down at yeah. the bottom of a gigantic tank with no way to contact anyone so he 
is finally able to after he ditches everything he waves down what because they have divers down there like rescue divers were assigned to everyone one-to-one pretty much yes so he waves one of them down and uh so he's given the uh the regulator regulator thank you i'm yeah uh, clearly i've never been diving um i only know this because i just i read this you just read this yeah Yeah. so like i had to because i was like the one thing i wanted to talk about yeah (laughs) so uh correct me on this that malfunctions too yes yes (laughs) so cameron's in big trouble so he's pre now he's breathed in water basically oh it's so bad like he should have died so i don't want him to yeah, so they they figure it out though. They finally get him to the surface. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is that he, uh, the guy. So when you're um, a diver, you're trying to get people to come up at a slower level, yeah. I guess. And so, oh yeah, oh, you punch. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, go. Calm, Sorry, he, no, I got excited. It's okay. It's okay. And you, and you, you got to calm them down and keep. Yeah. And so he's doing this. Not, and he didn't know that the regulator didn't work. So to him, he's like, "Oh, this guy's freaking out. I gotta yeah. like, slow him down." But Cameron's trying because he's got no air. Yeah, he wants to live. And yeah. so Cameron just total, total boss move. <laughs> punches this dude in the damn face. Like David Strathairn and Kevin Bacon in the oh, River Wild. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was a total except like it's like if there were two Kevin Bacons. So yeah. It's so Cameron good. gets to the service. He survives. He promptly fires the <laughs> AD and the rescue diver. <laughs> <laughs> and totally guess weird. what he does he gets back to work <laughs> he's like get that he's like get that damn helmet fixed so all this madness is going on to the day that they are shooting this <laughs> highly emotional cpr scene everyone is feeling it ever they are oh at one point too they were so strained for time uh that uh cameron told the actors just to pee in their wetsuits in the tank so they didn't take bathroom breaks so they're sitting there on this stage everyone's soaking wet doing this emotional scene as poor mary elizabeth is sitting there soaking wet topless being repeatedly slapped and pounded across the chest as they're doing multiple takes finally they do they get through all of one that they think is right and the camera runs out of film and they say we got to do it again she pops up, screams, we are not animals, and just leaves set. <laughs> She's done oh. for the day. <laughs> so that was kind of like everybody's like, so that's why how Ed Harris ended up doing CPR on a sandbag for the close-ups and all the rest of the coverage because she would not come back to that. So you can multiply that by everyone else on set during this incredibly brutal grueling shoot that um so before the film's release reports from south carolina that ed harris was so upset by the all of it that he would not he was not going to even promote the movie he was he did he later denied this and he was he was a team player however after its initial release and initial promotion harris publicly said i'm never talking about it again and never will Wow. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio also disowned the film, saying, the, the abyss was a lot of things. Fun to make is not one of them. God damn, dude. <laughs> so, they're all just absolutely battered. And that even before they get to post-production, in which Cameron goes to ILM 
and basically tells them to invent all of these special effects. It is wild. Yeah, it's so funny that, like, it is wild that, like, I feel like this is easily Cameron's most personal, maybe Avatar, it's debatable at this point. Yeah. At, at least up until Avatar, this was by far at the uh, at Cameron's most personal film. And, and it is interesting that this is his version of personal filmmaking. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's his version. It's so soul crushing. Like yeah. his, his personal, his personal films like destroy a lot of personalities. Yeah, and, I mean, it is. It unlike actually, I think like, I think like a movie like Aliens or Terminator Two are like the best versions of their genre. Mm-hmm. this is the singular or even titanic um this is a singular movie yeah i don't think that like, like i i texted you like the thing that came into my mind that combined kind of like the personal emotional standpoint combined with like kind of a massive maximalist blockbuster sci-fi mm-hmm. to me was uh christopher nolan's interstellar yeah. kind of uh although chris, chris nolan's interstellar by all accounts a much kinder and easier shoot because he's by all accounts a much easier person to deal with (laughs) i bet the the tea times are chill as hell with him yeah i mean he he known to carry around a flask of earl gray in his designer um long jacket um (laughs) i love that but uh cameron not as easy and this movie is like it's i think it's really good I also think it's kind of a mess. Like there's too much going on. There's too many storylines. Like, like could it have just been a rescue movie? Could it have just been like a cold war action underwater thing at this like underwater outpost? Like the aliens element, I almost think is un- completely unnecessary outside of the groovy effects. Yeah, honestly. I mean, but I think like, but it's all him. Yeah, it's it all, all him. him. It is all him. I think you're right. Like there is a part of me that's like, I would have just loved to have seen a movie that's like, um, yeah, just like you're getting that missile, and maybe it, like it, maybe like the the climax is like uh, Michael Bean's like final. Yeah, I think that there's like, and then they get stuck, and he brings her up, and he revives her, and they yeah. find out that, and because that, that's a hard part. In I think it happens actually in. Um, well, no, uh, I no, I was thinking about a different movie entirely, but kind of I was thinking about movie structure and kind of like placing the emotional climax with like half hour left to go. Yeah, I forget. It's so great. I forget how early Michael Bean dies in this movie. He is like the primary antagonist and he dies. Yeah. Like, it feels and, like there's an hour left of movie. And I, it's kind of weird because that's the storyline you care about the most is kind of like the how are they going to stop Michael Bean from destroying the, as this like ragtag group of non-soldiers. Yeah. And also the Ed, the Bud and Lindsay relationship coming, like starting apart and coming together again. Those are kind of like, I think what you care about the most, like I, and I'm sure like a sci-fi, like a heavier sci-fi fan would say, no, I'm more interested in the um, kind of the magic of the alien. Mm-hmm elements i just just not where i yeah. am as a movie fan i'm more interested in kind of the human aspect of it but the alien stuff is neat and it does tie yeah. it together but it's just it's a lot 
It's a lot. It's it's interesting. I like his like because I feel like this is also like the last time probably until Avatar maybe where like aliens are like nice and like like these aliens. Although like the, don't get me wrong, they do try to like destroy the world with oh. super wa- super waves. Spoiler yeah. alert. Well, um, yeah, in the in the director's cut only. Oh, that's true. That's what I saw. I thought, you know, oh, and that yeah, interesting story there too is that that effect. And Cameron says, and it's an important one for all you budding filmmakers out there: never do a test screening with unfinished effects. People cannot see past them. The wave was not finished when they showed it in the test screenings, and he said that in the little cards that he says he can read better now too. It was the for it was a split almost 50 50 favorited and disliked among the test screening audiences and they ended up cutting it and now it's back in the director's cut which i did not watch <laughs> um i will say so okay i have a question then hmm. uh since i watched the director's cut does in the director's cut you do you have the scene where ed harris is enters the he enters it and then they kind of just cut back and then you're wondering if ed made it and then Uh, then it rises up at the end the big uh, thing and that's it you missed oh there's like this part man where like so like the alien philosophy yeah is like still quite ambiguous wow that's so interesting i kind of like i don't know if i like that more or less i think i like Although it is silly, I will say it is kind of silly, the waves, and then, like, there's, like, the scene, okay, so, um, if you don't remember from the special edition, like, the alien communicates by, like, they have, like, a big water wall, and it shows, like, videos and, like, stuff, and, like, it's, like, the aliens have been, like, watching our TV shows and, like, Mm. our, our feed, so it shows, like, um, you know, it kind of like talks to Ed for a bit. And shows, oh yeah, like, it shows like all the worst of humanity, and then it, but then it like it shows like the good. Doesn't it show him and Lindsay like be yeah. like their self sac their sacrifice for each other and that kind of stuff? I think yeah, yeah. yeah it, and it it would have been funny like if uh if uh they were trying to show the good of humanity. I feel like that's so so memeable. Like you could like put so <laughs> many different fake videos in for like. But you could, what the aliens think is good. Yeah. Because I was imagining it'd be funny. It's like, you know, just put in like Applebee's or something. Just like a picture. Well, guy, guy, guy Fieri. I don't know. He yeah. is good. He is good for humanity. He We've all learned that yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> but, uh, okay. Nor- Norbit? Norbit? <laughs> Eddie Murphy's Norbit? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's worth saving. Uh, I mean, if it saves humanity, sure. No. Uh, you want to um, an interesting, interesting thing, too, is uh, Siskel and Ebert actually reviewed the special edition and uh both gave a thumbs up and both said it was uh improved by this aspect yeah. um but this movie uh uh like we said uh somewhat of a minor box office disappointment which yeah. i think if you kind of he recalibrates and kind of by doing terminator 2 next i think um is a pretty conscious decision to go to Ar- to go to Arnold to make something that you know is kind of a yeah it's not a, it's not as a risk not as risky of a proposition. Uh, got an eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes though still That's utterly cute. gorgeous special effects frequently overshadow the fact that the abyss is a also a totally gripping claustrophobic thriller complete with an interesting crew of characters which I think is 
a pretty good way to sum it up. Yeah, and we're not even, we haven't even like you know uh, like all the little side supporting actors like yeah like John Bedford Lloyd, Todd mm. Graff, like people you yeah. don't see in a lot of movies nowadays. Uh, uh, Leo Burmeister. Oh man, he's so yeah. good. Chris Elliott in the yeah in Chris movie. Elliott. Yes, so good. I love it. <laughs> like up there with uh, Margaret Cho showing up in Face Off in oh, terms yeah. of weird action movie. <laughs> like what? Love, <laughs> like, there's like a scene at the end where like the alien in the special edition. I don't know if this is in the regular edition but the alien ship brings up the crew or whatever yeah and, yeah. yeah chris elliott's reaction is in the regular <laughs> it's edition so too good it's so like just like this random looks like cut to chris elliott <laughs> yeah oh so funny and i guess um so it was nominated for four academy awards oh, okay. uh best sound best cinematography best art direction and best visual effects i think no surprise it won for best yeah. visual effects yeah. and apparently i'm just reading this is a brand new one to me and i find it very intriguing the studio apparently unsuccessfully lobbied quite hard to get michael bean nominated for best supporting actor really which i you know i don't i don't mean we didn't look up who was nominated in the 1990 academy awards uh but he's very good yeah. i think it i think it's um a much more difficult role than what he did in uh terminator and aliens yeah. if you're just looking in the um the cameron universe of michael bean performances uh but he rules this is i mean i we're actually um she's saying goodbye to michael bean uh with the abyss and our michael bean coverage he does not return in any further cameron movies outside of the director's edition of terminator 2 um he apparently um they took a really hard look at him for the Stephen Lang role in Avatar. Ooh. And uh, I guess, though, when Sigourney Weaver agreed to do Avatar, uh, Cameron was very concerned about it just feeling like an Aliens reunion. Uh, that's fair. And so Michael Bean, unfortunately, got the short shift there. Uh, too bad. Yeah, I hope, I, hope, I hope they get thrown in there. I'd love to see him. Yeah, I'd love to see him back. Um, but... Uh, you know, because he's he's really good, really underrated, and James Cameron seemed to be the only director who really knew how to um, kind of unlock him. Yeah. But you know, so but these are two these are two wonderful movies. Like much like I think I think The Abyss is a little bit more of a, um, a little flabby that comparison to Aliens, but that doesn't mean The Abyss isn't like a really exciting, interesting fun personal film that I, I think like the the trouble on aliens may have been more worth it than the trouble behind the scenes on the abyss was yeah. um but I, I i i really recommend the abyss too i think it was i think it's a really enjoyable one kind of i think gets a little lost in the shuffle of james cameron's movies because he just has so many hits and so many blockbusters but i think it's really terrific um but i guess we have to as we're getting towards the end of the episode here, you know, James Cameron finishes the abyss. He and Gail and Hurd are divorced. He's out in the world now. He's got to figure out his next, his next move, really. And, um, you know, we've alluded to it. It's a reunion with the big man himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, for Terminator 2 Judgment Day, uh, which very excited. Next episode is going to be Terminator 2 Judgment Day and its fall and true lies. Uh, so to be centered around Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but Patrick, if you had to pick between Aliens and the Abyss, I know it was an easy choice 
last episode, Terminator over Piranha Two. Uh, what 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 do you what are you what are you tossing on? Oh man, this is actually hard. A little tougher. Yeah, it's a little tougher. It's way harder than I thought. I'd love because okay, I love Al- Aliens. Is just one of the great. It's just a great movie. It's one of the yeah. best movies of all time. It's like a perfect movie almost. Like it's like it's a hundred percent. Could watch it forever. Uh, yeah. The on the other hand, though, like one thing I like about the Abyss over Aliens is just how far more it's far more personal. Like there's like there's, it just feels like more closer to like Cameron's heart, and it feels like. It's uh, personal in a way that not a lot of Cameron's movies feel, because um, I feel like so many of his movies, uh, like the personal for Cameron in so many of his movies, is just like the craft aspect of it, him like creating the movie. And so yeah. like, this, this like I don't know, this like has like a tenderness, and like it does feel like yeah, he see uh, Cameron sees himself in Bud. And Bud. Yeah, he's got a he he has a real surrogate in Bud. Yeah, and uh, like and also it does have it might be the best scene in the whole in this whole damn uh retrospective we're doing like the scene with ed and uh, mary like it yeah it, it might be like that might be the best scene uh but you know what i'll i'm just i've still got to give it to aliens though aliens yeah. fucking slaps <laughs> yeah. yeah um i you know we're running a little bit longer than we expected here but um so i'll be quick aliens is a masterpiece yeah. the abyss is really interesting and it's a good movie and it's one i'll return to Aliens, you said it. It's one of the greatest movies ever made, it, uh, of of its sort. You know, no, and, and it's might. You know what? Let's call it back. You know, greatest movie ever made. And uh, we talked about breaking the waves toward the top of it. These are two yeah. masterpieces that are completely different. So it just goes to show, there can be all sorts of good movies, folks. Yeah. You know, and there can be masterpieces of all way, shape, and form. You know, give me a. Give me an Ingmar Bergman movie or give me John Flynn's Rolling Thunder. I'll take anything. I think they're all great. But Aliens just hits it out of the park in every every single aspect. It's totally thrilling. It has an amazing lead character, a bunch of great side characters. Um, the action is still incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best. Yeah. So, you know, and... No, no diss to the abyss, but the aliens could, you know, we're going to rank them all mm-hmm. at the end of this thing. Aliens could be number one of yeah. James Cameron too. You know, we haven't gotten through everything, but aliens is that good. Yeah. And you, <laughs> if you're listening to this though, you know that. <laughs> so so get, get, that's not, not new news. So get, you know, get your laser disc, uh, you know, r- blow that disc uh, dust off your laser disc, put mm-hmm. it in the laser disc drive. Doesn't have laser rot. Hopefully. Hopefully no laser rot. Ooh. Oof, if your lasers have discs have not your lasers and laser discs haven't been properly storaged, I pity yeah. you. If you learn anything from the Academy Academy, store those laser discs properly. Yes. You, you gotta store them on their side or else they warp. Yeah. But <laughs> and, I think and, that this is awesome. We are hidden. We're just this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I, I you know, I don't wanna like compare and contrast there was a few movies we watched in the previous series that will more of a slog. <laughs> there have been no slogs here. This is, this is all very, very fun stuff. I hope, hopefully everyone who's listening is playing along and enjoying it as well. Rediscovering some of these movies. And, you know, I think on that note, I mean, 
rewatch the abyss rewatch aliens if you haven't get ready uh take a look at uh terminator 2 and true lies going into next week and we'll see you next week yeah enjoy your tim tams australian listeners yes oh and seek us out seek us out